It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. I'm Mark Feinsand, executive reporter for MLB.com. Welcome to the Executive Access Podcast. When we started this series back in 2017, we welcomed nearly every general manager throughout the game. The interviews began as a featured part of the MLB Newsmakers podcast feed. There was so much interest in the interviews, we ended up launching the Executive Access podcast on its own feed in the spring of 2018. Since you might have missed those podcasts the first time around, we dug into the archives to re-air some of our greatest hits. This week, we start our throwback series with Nationals President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Mike Rizzo. Following a three-year minor league career, Rizzo entered the scouting world, following in his father's footsteps. He became the Diamondback Scouting Director in 2000, remaining with Arizona through 2006, collecting a World Series ring in 2001. In 2006, Rizzo joined the Nationals as Assistant GM, then became the Interim GM at the beginning of 2009, a post that became official that August. We discussed his rise through the front office ranks, the risks of signing players to long-term deals, and much, much more. As we wait for baseball to return, I hope you enjoy this 2017 conversation with Nationals President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Mike Rizzo. You were the 554th pick in the 1982 draft, playing three seasons in the Angels minor league system before being released. What made you decide so quickly that your future was as a player? Well, you know, they, they often make that decision for you. And uh, that, that's what happened in my case. Uh, you know, my dad, who was, you know, he's been in baseball for a long time. You know, we had kind of a, a decision when I got released. I had an opportunity to play for another couple of uh, minor league teams. And, uh, you know, we kind of sat down and said, my dad said that, you know, you're really, you're really your tool-wise not really capable of being a big league player. Uh, you should, you know, instead of being a, uh, you know, a lifetime minor leaguer, and then get out, get get out of professional baseball, and you have nothing to show for it, and you got to go get a job. You could, you're intelligent college grad. You could do some other things in the game that you love, and uh, so from that, from that point, uh, I decided to go in a different direction, and uh, was lucky enough. I got a coaching job at University of Illinois, uh, finished my degree there, and then. Uh, got a, began my scouting career after that. For someone who had hoped to be a professional baseball player, is that a hard thing to hear from your dad, or is that, or do you appreciate the fact that he was so straight with you about it? It was, you know, he's, you know, he's nothing but st- straight with me. Believe, believe me, it was, <laughs> uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was hard to hear. Yeah, it was difficult to hear. You know, oftentimes, you know, players are the f- the worst self evaluators, you know, of their own talents, and uh, I thought that. Uh, you know, and we discussed it and we argued about it, and uh, and uh, you know, at the end of, at the end of the day, you know, it, it was always it was always in my best interest, and uh, that that's uh, that's the way I took it, and uh, you know, I, you know, to this day I appreciate it because it was the right decision to make at the time. So after your coaching career uh, in Illinois, how did you land your first pro job? Well, so uh, you know, again, I was I was very fortunate. So I, I played my years in air in, in uh, for the California Angels in the minor league system. The uh, scouting director at the time was Larry Himes, 
uh, Larry uh, coincidentally became got the job as the general manager of the Chicago White Sox the the uh, the year after I was uh, uh, I was released and, and coached for a year and a half at uh, University of Illinois. And uh, when he got that job, uh, he he called me and and thought from our playing days to my playing days together, he liked the way you know my baseball acumen and my my attitude and and energy and and that type of thing, and and offered me a job as an area scout. How much did you learn from your father about the scouting business? A lot. You know, it, it, uh, my, I learned a lot from him about about baseball in general and uh, and a, a lot about the the business of scouting. Uh, you know, he's been he he was a, a long time minor league player and a, a long time baseball guy, and you know, he's probably forgotten more about baseball than I'll ever know. And he's he's really a. Uh, a a bastion of knowledge uh, of of the intricacies of, of scouting and how to evaluate players. So I've learned a lot from him, and a lot from other uh, other guys uh, in in those days that were uh, that were like kind of the the in the forefront of, of the scouting industry. The Nick Kamzik's the guy who signed myself and other great players, and including Joe Madden and that type of thing. So uh, you know, he he they, all those guys taught me a lot. This job's obviously a lot more than just scouting, but how does that scouting background help you in the GM chair? I think it, uh, it, you know, I'm confident when I, you know, when I see what I see, you know, I know, I know when I look at a player, uh, uh, you know, I can, I have a, I have a confidence about that. I know that player. And uh, the, I think that, uh, you know, the background of, of, Having having a uh, Rolodex of players in my mind to, to compare you know, current players to is invaluable. Uh, you know, I was a, I was an area scout for you know for 12 years. I was a cross checker. I was a scouting director. I ran a farm system, and I was assistant GM. So I've done uh, you know you know advanced scouting, pro scouting. So I've done most most jobs on the baseball end of it, and I think that uh, not only gives me a a, a good foothold on seeing players and evaluating players but i also know how to manage how to manage these the 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 people in these jobs because i've i've gone I, you know I've, I've felt their pain i've gone through what they're doing the trials and tribulations of of being a scouting director a farm director and that type of thing so i think that uh, it gives me credibility in in their minds knowing that i've i've done what they do and appreciate what they do and i think that it gives me a uh, you know kind of a, a, a an added uh, perspective of of how things should work your arizona scouting director from 2000 to 2006 you won that ring in 2001. What was that like to watch that World Series, given the highs and lows of those seven games? It was it was an incredible, incredible run, an incredible World Series. You know, it's uh, it uh, it really it really did teach me that it's 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 not over till it's over. You know, we came out of there, we came out of Arizona, two and zero. We were flying high. I remember the flight to 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 New York. We were on top of the world and. Uh, and you know, then you've got those three crushing defeats at Yankee Stadium in a row, and two of them we had leads late in the game, and uh, and gave it up. And and you know, the flight back was you know a polar opposite of of, of the flight there. So uh, it, it also taught me that uh, that you know talent wins because we did come back uh, and uh, and ran you know Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson out at him you know in games in game six and seven, and. Uh, and it it shows how roster construction is is what it's all about in, in the GM chair. And uh, Joe Gargiola did a masterful job of that. And uh, and you know to, and and also taking chances and stepping outside the box, which he did uh, on many occasions. You know, one 
Uh, I think you look at uh, you look at uh, signing a you know six foot ten inch uh, left-handed pitcher coming off back surgery and giving him a four-year big four-year deal, and uh, Joe was rewarded by four Cy Youngs in a row from him. So uh, yeah, pretty was, uh, pretty good sign. That one was okay. <laughs> uh, you started the 2009 season as the interim GM here. Uh, after Jim Bowden's resignation, the Nationals were 43 and 78 when you were made the full-time GM that August. Were you surprised at all by the timing? No, I, I kind of, you know, that spring training, 09 spring training, I was kind of doing a lot of the duties that a, a general manager would do. Uh, you know, Stan Katz and I were, you know, were in lockstep with that, and uh, I thought that, uh, you know, I I thought I'd prepared myself for this job. You know, my my whole scouting career, I was I was always trying to be, you know thinking as a, as a, as a GM would think. So, when uh, when I when I was named uh, interim GM, uh, I, I knew I had a, a, a great opportunity to put my fingerprints on uh, on, on the roster and uh, and try and, and change things for the better and uh, and uh, you know bring uh, bring some uh, respectability and 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 a winning culture to the to the franchise. You guys lost 93 games in 2010, after which you received a five-year extension and a promotion to executive VP of baseball operations. In a game where results matter as much as they do, how encouraging was it to know that the organization had that much trust and faith in you? Well, they've they've always supported me greatly. Uh, I think that uh, I think that what what they what they saw was. Uh, our franchise going in the right direction. We had we, you know, we had developed a, a plan. We had developed a strategy and a timeline to to get to our our alt, our, our goals, uh, and they saw that the implementation and the process that we that we used was was uh, was solid and it and it was working. So I think that uh, you know in the, in that's in that situation uh, you know you have a. A great executive in Stan Caston recognizing and ownership recognizing that you know, we we had a good thing going and this was just this was just the start of it. Your decision to shut down Stephen Strasburg in the end of 2012 obviously received plenty of attention. Did you ever second guess yourself after that? I never. That you know, Mark, I never did. I never. I, I was so comfortable with it, uh, knowing knowing Strauss, uh the way I did, knowing the situation that 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 it, the way I knew it, knowing the 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 health and the risks and and everything that he went through, uh, I felt it was the right thing to do. I was, I, you know, I was I was committed to it. I was passionate about it, and uh, and I, again, I had the support of ownership uh, and uh, the the manager at the time. And uh, believe me, we we had a manager at the time and Davey that if he didn't agree with it, he would have it would have been well known. That he didn't agree with it, uh, and uh, it, it, I, I thought it was—I uh, was surprised by all the, the all the attention that I got. But I also uh, was prepared that it, there was going to be some negativity attached to it. Uh, but you know, we, uh, like I said, I, I, I sleep like a baby with that decision. We've seen other teams go through the same exact thing with young pitchers around the league. Do, do you feel for those GMs when they're going through the same kind of situation? I, I do. I mean, those are you know, those are all those are all tough decisions to make, and and I, you know, I think you have to. Uh, I think you have to stand by your philosophy and stand by you know your your morals and and do what's best. And I, I thought I thought doing what was best for the player was 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 what was doing was best for the for the organization, and uh, and I think that that. You know, Strauss has uh, has been a, has been a great pitcher for us. Uh, you know, since then, uh, he's been he's you know he's a great part of the the organization now. He's part of the community, and uh, I think that uh, you know that kind of opened the door for for a, a, the way that a lot of teams you know 
protect their pitchers and, and, and think about these things. Before it wasn't really, it wasn't really uh, examined as, as, as closely until we shut Strauss down. Uh, have your views or philosophies towards the game changed very much since the beginning of your career to now? No, it's the greatest. It's the greatest sport in in uh, on earth, and uh, we we have a uh, we have a duty to uh, to keep it uh, the the way it is, and uh, and keep it as the greatest America America's game. And I think that uh, you see these you, you see the onslaught of of these young stud players that uh, that, that are that are playing nowadays. I think we're in a I think we're in a renaissance of of youthful, unbelievably talented players in the game right now. I think we're in a, in a terrific spot for uh, for the game of the baseball in America. Even though you've been a baseball lifer, are there any executives from any other industries or areas that have influenced you throughout your career? Yeah, there's, you know, you know Jerry Colangelo is a, a big part of my my process. You know, he's he, not, notably a, more of a basketball guy than is a baseball guy, although he played baseball at University of Illinois. Uh, that's a little tidbit for you. Uh, he... Uh, his managing style and, and and the way he handled things was uh, was instrumental. Uh, you know, there, you know, Joe Gargiulo was a, you know, is a big part of my uh, my career. Uh, Stan Caston was is a guy I learned I learned a lot from. So, you know, you you uh, there's so many people that that have kind of kind of built the way I I manage. It, it's just too many to mention, but those are a few of the key ones. Of course, you know, my, my dad is, you know, probably the, the utmost uh, person that, uh, that has molded, you know, my, uh, my personality and, uh, and the, in the way I, uh, way I treat people. So, uh, you know, we, it's a, it's a simple formula here. We're, you know, we're a baseball shop. We, we have, uh, a, a, a very talented uh, analytical uh, staff that we've uh, we've uh, put in place here, but we're first and foremost a baseball shop, and uh, we you know we handle our issues and our problems face to face and man to man, and I think that that has uh, been well received by by the players. Uh, I think they respect the way we do business here. They may not always agree with what we do, but they respect uh, the process. It's a good lead into the next question. You said you trust scouting more than analytics, but there are some that believe sabermetrics are more important. Uh, than traditional scouting. Do you think scouting has become less important league-wide, or do you just think the importance of analytics has caught up to the importance of scouting? Well, I think it's 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 all in a, it's all a package. Uh, you you have to have analytics. You have to have you know uh, eyeballs on the player. Uh, I learn I I learn things from from the analytics that uh, that you can't see on the field, but I also see I also see things on the field that you can't analyze. So there's, it goes hand in hand, and you, you have to be in lockstep, or you're going to be left behind. Because because we have a we have a cutting edge, experienced scouting staff here, but we've got Ivy Leaguers uh, crunching the numbers and and, and giving us uh, their, their ideas on, on how to how to better this team. And and the teams that mesh those two things together and comfortably are the thing are teams I think that are going to be most successful. Although teams have been doing this for a long time, MLB's StatCast has made some of these metrics more publicly available mm-hmm. to fans. Do you think that's good for the game for fans to have access to some of these things? Oh, I think it's, I think it's great for the for the uh, I think it's great for the fans. It's uh, you know knowledge is power and uh, and you know makes everybody a, a, a pseudo general manager and uh, and I, I think that there's uh, you know opinions are great. I think uh, I think uh, conversations and. Uh, uh, and discussing the game only improves improves the game. And uh, and if uh, if these these public 
publicly accessible analytics helps do that, then I'm all for it. Uh, other teams have reportedly had interest in you to run their clubs in recent years. Is it flattering when you hear such things? Well, it's just flattering. It's embarrassing a little bit sometimes, but uh, it, you know, it's 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 good to be recognized but uh, you know this uh, the success we've here, had here at in Washington uh, you know it's it's not a, a Mike Rizzo thing it's it's a Washington Nationals thing i'm proud of the people i brought in here yeah i take credit for that but we've got great people here uh, and you know the guys that you don't see here are as important as the guys you do see here it's you know you know, I have an affinity for scouts. You know, they're on the road, you know, 200, 300 days a year, missing birthdays and anniversaries and their kids, you know, first, you know, Little League baseball games. And, uh, you know, they're the unsung heroes. They, they find the players. They sign the players. Then you pass them off to, the, you know, the Doug Harris's and, and those guys who develop the players. And the guys are pounding the fungos and make them better. And, uh, and once we get them to the big leagues, you know, it, you know, we'll, we take credit for them, but it's it's all it's all that that periphery below that uh, makes that separates the 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 average to the good, the good to the great. The Nationals have come a long way as a, as a franchise since you became the GM. What do you think was the turning point where the team sort of turned that corner and, and started down the road where it's gone? Well, I always I always say that in, in two thousand nine, the the first the first philosophical uh, change that we we navigated here was I was I was allowed the resources to go out and get the best and brightest scouts coaches player development people and I think that was the start of, of our success uh, because again you know go back to the, the last statement I made it's it's all about it's all about finding the players developing the players to, to get to the big league club so when we when I got the opportunity to, to go out and, and really hire uh, a, a you know the best and the brightest that we felt in in, in, in the game was I, I think the, the number one turning point in uh, in our our turnaround to success. Had some players with some big contracts over the years. A lot of the nine figure contracts end up I don't know if they be busts, but rarely do they. You look at the entirety of a contract and say it was great all the way. Well, sure. You know sometimes you say you signed a guy and you know the last couple of years might be uh, you know not as good. How tough is it to make that decision to make such a financial commitment? To a player, that, that's got to be a, a big leap of faith to some extent, no? Well, it's a, you 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 really have to know the player that you're you're committing long term to. You have to know their their personalities, their work ethic. Uh, you know how how they're going to how they're going to react to uh, to this this huge amount of money uh, in this in this long term deal. So I think that you have to be very very careful with, with the, the personalities that you that you do it with, uh, and uh, I, I think that you. Ultimately, you have to these these long-term signings have to come in. They have to fit into your you know one, three, five-year plans and and your your long-term global look at your franchise. And uh, it's you know it's never a win-now scenario with that because you know the uh, the commitment is too long. So they have to fit into you with your win-now mode, but you're also your your uh, your your win for a for a, uh, a long period of time mode. With what you said about. It. You have to know the player. Is it easier to make that kind of commitment to a guy that you've had here already versus trying to get to know a player from another team in that short free agent period of time to make such a commitment? I think it is. I, you know, they, you, you, the, 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 te the teams that know their players the best off, often make the best 
uh, you know, free you know, extension signings and and trades. And so when when you trade away a player, you're knowing you know the player you're trading away. Hopefully, better than the team that's acquiring them. And uh, and and so I think that it, it it is easier because you you know you've lived with that player for an extended period of time uh, before you make that commitment. Uh, and uh, when you're when you're out there signing a free agent, you you better do your due diligence uh, and your homework on how that player is going to fit into not only your your lineup. But your clubhouse, your community, and I think all those are, are vital to to having a successful long-term signing. You were able to sign Strasburg to a long-term <coughs> deal. You know, look at this as any kind of a window, or how, how do you? How much time do you spend thinking about the next two or three years, or, or what could be what could be on the way? We're always we're always looking forward. We're always looking. You know, we we're we're in win now mode, but also be competitive for for the uh, for the long term. And uh, and we you know we we like where we're at as far as an organization. Uh, we you know we have uh, we have a lot of key components that are that are locked up long term. We've got ourselves a, a fertile farm system that we know is going to be a feeder system for the, for the big league club. And we look at the, we don't look at windows. We we look at the landscape as we're we're going to be a championship caliber organization for the long haul. What stands out to you most about Trey Turner as a player? Well, you know, he's you know, to me. Uh, to me, there's a lot of players that have that have come along that can that can run like him. Um, most of those players are really fast runners that are learning to play baseball. Trey Turner's baseball player one knows the game, great baseball IQ, that happens to be able to fly, and I think that's what is the. Uh, to me, was the is the most uh, the most gratifying part of, of getting him in the trade is we got ourselves a baseball player one, uh, and beyond that is a baseball player with this special tool uh, uh, of speed, but but also had the tool of, of bat and arm and, and glove and and intangibles, and uh, he really uh, he really knows his game and uh, and there's you know there's a bright future for the kid. You've been fined a couple times by MLB during your career, both essentially for standing up for your players. How critical is it for players to know that the GM's in their corner? Well, you know, I'm around a lot. You know, I'm, I'm with the players a lot. I'm, I'm, on mo I'm, I'm on most road trips and uh, all the home games, and uh, I have a relationship with them. It's a professional relationship. Uh, I think the players know that I'm accessible. Uh, I'm going to be ultra honest with them and and you know look them in the eye and, and make decisions uh, I, I also think that uh, you know my job is to protect the players and uh, and when I, I think they that something needs to be said and I need I need to protect them I, I have uh, I've done so and uh, and I think that uh, the response I get from them after after these things has, has been positive. Uh, you know, I, you know. Obviously, those are you know, those are situations I don't want. I don't want to be in. But uh, I, I do think that you know, my, my you know my franchise comes first, and uh, and I have to you know that's you know, I'm the I'm the I'm the caretaker of the franchise, and I think that it's it's my job to protect my players. What's been your best moment as GM here? Yeah, I think uh, I think getting getting to Champagne poured on me in 2012 when we we made the playoffs for the first time was probably the highlight of it. Uh, but I, you know, I, I just I love the day to day grind. That's the best part of this job. Where you come in, you you know, you come into the office, and they're long days and they're grueling days, and it's a grinding season. But it's baseball every day. You know, my dad woke up at 3:30 uh, in the morning every morning to go work uh, as a truck driver for the city of Chicago. So I, I got it pretty good.
Sounds like you take a player's mentality into this job. I, you know, I really do. I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, because because I, I played in the minor leagues and wasn't successful, I really appreciate that these are the 750 greatest baseball players in the world. And I know how difficult it is to do what they do, and I do not take it lightly. Washington's always been considered a football town first. You've had success in recent years while the Redskins have been up and down. Do you think D.C. can ever become a baseball town first? I think it's a baseball town now. Uh, it, you know, it, may, it may share the stage with, uh, with the other sports, but it's a baseball town. Uh, you know, game five last year uh, against the Dodgers, the, it was the loudest I've ever been a party to, and I was at game seven Yankee Diamondbacks, and this place was rocking and rolling. And uh, I, I see the neighborhood, the neighborhood around the ballpark, is being uh, is is really thriving. I see the city wrapping their arms around us, and and us really during baseball season really becoming a baseball town. And uh, I'll tell you what, there's some rabid fans out there that that are that know the game, and uh, that are uh, that are really into the Nationals. The old cliche is that a season is not a success unless you're the last team standing. Do you subscribe to that theory? Yes, I do. I do. Uh, you, you, you could have – we've had several good seasons, but we just haven't had the ultimate season yet. And uh, I also, I also uh, uh, adhere to the philosophy that there's only one team happy at the end of the season, so 29 are unhappy. Uh, we, you know, we strive to be that team. Uh, you know, our goal is to have a parade down Pennsylvania Avenue. We hope you enjoyed our first throwback episode of Executive Access. In the coming weeks, we'll hear from Brian Cashman of the Yankees, Jed Hoyer of the Cubs, Mark Shapiro of the Blue Jays, and many more top executives around the league. You can search for Executive Access on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Art19, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. So be sure to subscribe and enjoy these conversations all season long. If you like what you hear, leave us a review while you're at it. We always appreciate those. And be sure to spread the word and tell all the baseball fans in your life about executive access. Until next time, I'm Mark Feinstein. Stay safe, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.